Alright, g'day everybody, welcome to a new live stream, my name is Jay Boston, it has been a little while since we've done a live stream, I've been ill, I also had way too much chilli during a, a hot chilli contest with my mates at work, uh, so Moja's been really good, he is on tonight and uh, wanted to uh, make sure he got on, I promised him he'd be, uh, he'd be coming on, he's been really great, uh, trying to reschedule so many times, but here we are, Moja, Moja's in the house, how you doing mate? Hello. Thanks for having Hello. Me. <laughs> there is a slight delay of about a second with Moja, uh, so we'll try and see how we go. What's been happening? You've been out on a ride yesterday, weren't you? Yeah. Um, Billy uh, ran a ride here who uh, works with Carl. Um, it was sunny and it was the first time I think we'd seen the sunshine and dry roads for quite a while, so it felt really good. Lots of people came out. We started at Stratford Olympic Park and then did like a 10 mile ride, had a break, came back. Really fun. Sweet. I think you uh, started or stopped at the arcade place there too from probably a beer or so. Yeah, four quarters. That's the one. Yeah. Um, I'm just sharing this feed right now into the co op group so they can watch as well. There we go. Oh, sorry. I jumped the gun. <laughs> And we've got 12 people watching so far, so that should increase. We've got a couple of people commenting now in the stream. So I'll just yell out to Aussie Adrenaline Junkie and Archer, <coughs> Thomas B-Boy Stretch. Uh, Morning Mojo, he says. He, you probably know him, do you? Who? Uh, Thomas B-Boy Stretch. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Nice and early there, I'm sure. Um, yeah, so today really it will touch a little bit on questions and stuff from uh, those watching uh, and uh, more it's about probably what obviously Mojo is Aussie. Uh, were you born in Melbourne or Sydney or where were you from originally Mojo? I was, I was born in London. Um, I moved to Australia when I was 18 and then I was out there for eight years. Oh, I thought you were an Aussie. Half Aussie with a passport. Gotcha. It's burning right now, so I don't want to be there. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought, you know, this Aussie guy over in London with a couple of didgeridoos and you're, uh, you're messing yeah. things up over there. It's good. Well, look at my new one. Yeah, I want to see this new one. Yeah. Wee. I'll see if I can yeah. get to... Let's balance out all the e-skating. You need something like this so you don't just become a boy racer. Yeah, that's Too pretty easy. sweet. So have you learned how to... Well, um, I'm actually surrounded by... Didgeridoos are a little bit different, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I've got quite a few. Are you, are you asking for a demo? No, um, we can do that a bit later if you like. <laughs> but playing them yeah. all, because they're all different. It's it's different to play each of them, isn't it? Yeah, so you can't change the key. Uh, you just have a set key and you have to make different sounds with your mouth. So you tend to have a bunch of different didgeridoos so that you can get different sounds. So if you go to a gig, you kind of need to turn up with all these bloody huge sticks. So it's, it's not it's not easy to play with other musicians. You know, if you turn up to a jam with a didgeridoo, people are like, oh, great, that's going to be cool for five minutes. And then when we want to play something else, we're stuck with you all night. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I've um I've been to a couple of like Aboriginal welfare centres and stuff, and they just get on it, and they're so good at it, and they can get all the different, um, what do you call it, uh, chords mm. and things like that. But it's super hard. Yeah, yeah. Have you? How did you go? Did you? Were you taught by someone, or you just self-taught? 
I was driving from Melbourne to Brisbane and I made a few music videos for groups with didgeridoos in it and it's my favourite instrument and I just thought, well, I have nothing to do on this drive, I'm going to learn to play the didgeridoo. So I went into Bunnings and bought a PVC pipe like that long. Yep. Started with that, just going, <laughs> making sounds and then I had another one and I put that in the corner of the van and drove just just trying to get it, just looking like a weirdo the whole way up the highway, thinking, what the fuck is that guy doing? Um, but yeah, I got it. I got the first sign of circular breathing because that's what you're trying to get so that you can basically cycle air through. So you go. So it's just a constant cycle of air going in through your nose, wow. pushed out of your mouth, and then you refill so your mouth. you're constantly breathing out your through your mouth. mouth and in through your nose. Yeah, you could do it for an hour or so. And then that is a meditation in itself. And after you've done that, you're just vibrating and you just feel incredible. That's unbelievable. I don't think I'll ever be able to teach myself how to breathe out of my mouth for that long. That'd be pretty cool though. It's, it's 40,000 years old, that instrument. Yeah. Right. Nuts. So good. So, so you, for people who don't know between Melbourne and Brisbane, that's about two days drive if you don't, if you don't stop all day, did you do it in a couple of days or maybe three days? Um, I usually do it in three or four days. If I was if I was going for a shoot or going to a festival, you know, you do yeah. the, I guess Melbourne to Sydney. I mean, it gets pretty boring in the middle, so you kind of don't want to stop much. Mm. Just go across to Sydney, try and get that all in one go, and then if you can get uh, Sydney to Brisbane and sort of one or two goes and the 10 hour stints and long drives. Did the drive to Uluru, that was really good. That was just <laughs> Melbourne to Adelaide, turn right and drive for four days. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Were you up on the top of any buses or anything too? Uh, no, I was on top of my own bus, my own van, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. I've got some friends who did a Priscilla Queen of the Desert drive in America. They bought a pink bus and then went to Burning Man. A bunch of Aussies dressed in drag driving around America. Fantastic. We'll have to whip out those videos at some stage. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so for those that don't know Mojo, which isn't going to be many, uh, yeah, Mojo is in the Eastgate world. Uh, he was with Inertion for a bit, doing film and all that kind of stuff with them, riding their boards. And now you're with Street Wing. And you you um, made some mods to your your actual uh, inertion board as well. Do you have that handy just to have a quick chat and talk about what you've done? Um, I don't have any pictures of it handy, but if you can pull up my Eastgate Squad Instagram, which I've just started, there's a lot of things on there that are really relevant. Sure. Are you able to that? just a sec? So what is it? It's just Eastgate Squad. Yeah, uh, I just created a page that was separate from my Mojo Film stuff so that I could put Eastgate content that's just focused for the audience. And um, since the races this summer, um, you know, I was, I was looking at everyone's boards. I mean, I came first in the race in France and third in, in the World Cup race, uh, the Evolve one. And yeah. Uh, yeah, you're getting towards it. Eastgate, Eastgate Squad. No, sorry, he's his fear. Not his fear. You don't even know your own bloody name, mate. Is it East Gate's <laughs> too similar? That's a bad mistake. East Gate's fear. <laughs> I used to. I sorry, I've associated that because I, I used to do a lot of stuff with East Gate Squad. 
Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, there you are. Yeah. So uh, trying to design a board to win the races in the summer and trying to go off the best of everything I can see because I go on the forums all the time. So a lot of people have transferred from the Eastgate Builders Forum to the Eastgate News Forum now. This is uh, what I finished yesterday uh, and took out to the group ride. So this board's on a, it's a switchblade 40-inch land yacht deck. Yep. Um, and I've got the 100mm uh, laser roller wheels on there. Um, the Dicky Ho motor mounts with idlers on them, with 12 millimeter wide uh, pulleys and belts. And then I've got 50 mil motors. I was just over at Luke's from Street Wing yesterday, and he's given me a set of the larger 63 mil motors. So you lucky dog. Be really powerful. It's got Raptor, sort of Raptor electronics underneath. Got a Fox box, um, one of the last out there, I guess. And uh, yeah, so Raptor battery, Fox box. Um, yeah, I mean, it handles, the, the idea is to be able to handle around a go-kart track, um, tight turns, keeping traction, but also be able to go up to sort of 30, 40 miles an hour and still be comfortable. So what you're saying um, there, just to get it in my own head, is that you're trying to do something that will go fast, but can still carve like really well. Because there's some tight turns on a go-kart track. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a complete contradiction. So, obviously, Evolve have done double kingpins, which has allowed them to have a long deck, put a big battery, and still be able to turn hard. But I find it unnatural to corner at high speed with double kingpins. So I'm trying to stay with a single kingpin, and. Um, Doing that, you don't have the same turning capabilities, but you have a lot more stability at high speed. Um, and putting all these motors on the boards, having to widen the truck so much, and you lose a lot of stability like that. So you put like 10 inch wide, like the Raptor 2. Like I could ride at like 50 miles an hour on the Raptor 2 and feel comfortable and just feel like I wanted to go faster. But um, 50 miles. That's building awesome. setups like this with bigger motors, and you know, you're getting. Uh, it's it's really difficult, you know. You're constantly like it's like designing a little car. And I can see uh, Maddie from Evolve. He's actually watching at the moment, and he told you to told you good luck. Oh, cool. <laughs> good luck. Yeah. Said good luck. <laughs> Wait to see how much power this thing's gonna have. <laughs> I can tell by those motors on the back being belt driven, and the Fox boxes obviously are gonna give it some good some good kick. Is there anything you'd modify well, on that? Well, the idea is to make this, well, it's going to be four-wheel drive, so the motors are going to be bigger on the back and front. Um, four-wheel drive, <clears throat> I think, is the way to go, because um, then you've got, you know, when you break in a car, always the, the front discs are much larger than the rear discs. Um, and in performance racing, being able to accelerate as fast as you can to the last point of that corner and then come out. So I think the... Front wheel drive is going to help a lot in braking, um, not so much in acceleration. Um, and this is it. And yeah, if you, that's what it was over Christmas. Gotcha. So that was a, a original free ride 37 inch deck with a nose and a tail. 
and 10 inch wide Paris trucks on the front and calibers on the back. Um, but obviously they're not wide enough to put big motors on it. And the deck was 37 inches and it wasn't wide enough for me. It wasn't long enough for me because I'm six foot. So I switched out for a 40 inch deck. Also didn't have pockets on the end of the deck mm -hmm. that uh, you basically stand against when you're accelerating and they catch you. Um, basically just sink your feet into these pockets. It's great. And you were talking... But if you look at one of the other shots... Yeah. Gone. Oh, uh, so the whiteboard um, with the with the Bergmeisters. That's one I've just uh, taken off the forum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's quite similar to the street wing, but that's the Lanyard Switchblade 40 inch. So the idea is um, for any races that are on sort of like concrete or uh, tarmac of any kind, it's going to be that four wheel drive with about 200 amp output. Amazing. So we'll just do some of the comments here. We've got uh, Eastgate Birmingham about to go on a group ride. So g'day, Thomas. Um, James Taylor's mm -hmm. asking you a question. Did you have any issues with your Raptor 2? I saw Barra's Raptor on the Eastgate forum. He left inertia and people were trying to help him fix his board. It was pretty trashed. I guess that was just something for between you and I. I don't. I had a Raptor 2, not the 2.1. You've got the 2, but you've seriously modded yours, haven't you? Yeah, I've got uh, the 2.1 set up on my cancellated Tesseract, which you can... Yeah, which is the one you're talking there. about. Um, uh, no. Um, so I've, I'm using... That's the Raptor 1 motors with the Raptor 2.1 bottom. So um, I don't know if there's any pictures on there, but I've got the Raptor 2.1 motors on a cantilated Tesseract. Um, I, I mean, I'm keeping that set up. Yeah, there it is, down a bit more, and it's, there's two boards in one shot. Yeah. Yeah. I can see as well. You can see the Inertion logo on there. Yeah. I mean, that board's incredible. Like, that's, I've taken that around the Olympic cycle track in Stratford, and I, I can beat an Olympic cyclist by about three seconds. And you're going like 40 miles an hour most of the time, or between 35, 30 in the corners. But there's no other board I can ride that confidently, that fast. I'm in aerodynamic position most of the time. Um, it's just super stable. There's nothing that wobbles in that drivetrain. Um, it's a shame what's happened to Inertia, and Jason's a really good friend. and. Um, Think it's important to remember that electric skateboarding wouldn't be where it is without the input that Jason and the team put in. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, if no, if if you don't know what that input is, that input is basically the Fox Box uh, forum, which kicked off the DIY community before Jason got involved. It was uh, Alien Drive Systems, which is a UK company, and um, Thick in Australia, and there wasn't really anything that you could. To, to put things together, you know, Alien Drive System had modified motors, so they'd sell you a motor mount with a drone motor and a uh, RC car ESC. And then Jason saw that and did a lot of innovation around that. Um, and then uh, I guess things got quite out of hand with the Raptor 2, and it was quite a big thing to go into um, production of the skateboard. It's something I've always shied away from because I know how hard it is to. Um, 
launch a product and go through all the support, especially creating a vehicle is just very hard. <laughs> Something like this, even if stationary is hard, but this thing's moving so fast. And yeah, I mean, from what I know, uh, and you can probably correct me if I'm wrong, but he, he had his 2.0 or Raptor 2, and that was amazing. Uh, and it was kind of like a, um, a sought-after board. It was rare that you could find them. Uh, you, you'd buy it and you'd get it eventually. Um, it was a long wait, but once you got it, anyone that had a Raptor 2 loved it. Um, and then he would try to go, I think, into production with another factory, and then there was a fa another factory, and it was challenging. And as you said, anytime you make anything, like there's a lot of skateboard companies out there, electric or otherwise, that struggle to get something out because there's so many things that could go wrong, so many production things. It has to be millimeter perfect. And... Um, it's it's yeah it's sad i mean jason was really good like you said at the diy stuff and it was in his garage and i think he had more control on the products mm. that he was pushing out there and he's got that fox box out mm. which again unfortunately is not happening and the eskate forum um website's no longer there so it's it's yeah it's just really sad to be honest i mean what's your take on it all um yeah, I mean, most most industries like this uh, get developed, uh, or most products like this. You know, if, it, if, if it's involved in war or industry, there's a lot more uh, innovation. There's a lot more funding for innovation. If it's like power tools or guns or something like that, you know, there's there's a lot more money behind it. So many things that we use have been invented for war or if, say involves mining or something like that people will spend millions on innovating on a little thing like that but the skateboards um you know we pay for that we're, we're the consumer at the end so there isn't a hell of a lot of um money behind it for all that innovation so when you know the fox box came from benjamin Vedder's phd project which is um you know that's for the love of it very much and if it wasn't for that, then a lot of what we're writing wouldn't be happening. Um, this is a lot of this is hobbyist. Um, you know, a lot of time is, is hobby time that goes into this. So it's it's hard to go forward unless people like Jason or Benjamin Vedder um, Tramp, but people like that you know, put their heart into it. Um, so you have to just give people credit. Um, even if it doesn't work out too well, because it's, it's community effort. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. You know, like the, the innovation that we've had, like electric skateboards are still pretty new in their infancy. You look at Evolve, they've been going for 10 years and there have been ones before that, but there's a huge mm. amount of people just using off the shelf stuff um, and it works, but yeah, there's no innovation. Um, when someone comes out with something new, uh, yeah, chances are it's not going to work 100% the first time. And we've seen that even, I don't know if you've seen the write-up on the new dot board, um, The Verge, they put something out about that and they had a huge braking issue where a lot of boards these days mm. have it too, that if, if your board is charged and then you try and go down a hill, the first thing you do is try and go down a hill and the brakes mm. are trying to regenerate and it cuts the, um, the energy away from it. It, it cuts the connection and you've got no brakes. And that can be super scary. Yeah. I know like a bunch of boards have had that happen. 
Um, I've had that happen on a couple of boards as well because I'm on a hill. Um, but yeah. like you said, like it's been tested and, t and tried way before on other mediums. And I guess as a community, we've got to let some of the manufacturers know, hey, this is what happened and they should get it fixed pretty quickly if they can. Have you um, experienced any anything like that? Um, well, I know that problem comes from the current uh, going above the voltage that the speed controller can handle. Um, so when you get a peak, uh, the way to solve that, Mello did that in one of their boards, is you have a separate capacitor that will burn out the energy. So it's like two different braking systems. So if anything goes wrong, it starts sending current into a little capacitor that will dissipate that energy through heat and have a heat sink. So you can get those uh, just as a separate unit on the forums. Um, I think it's uh, important to understand all those elements and sort of, if you can build the boards yourself, like so that you, uh, I mean, everyone's always having boards fail and sending things back and dealing with warranty and things. And it's like, I think being a step ahead of that is understanding that, yeah, these things are going to break and the best thing you can do is buy a soldering kit, a bunch of tools and be ready to fix it. Um, or like with traditional skateboarding, you buy a deck, you buy some trucks, you buy some wheels and you blow a bearing, you replace it, you snap a deck, you change your deck. Um, I think electric skateboarding is like that too and it's getting even easier to be like that. So buying some motor mounts, some wheels, uh, some batteries, you know, you blow a spark switch or you blow a component, you just order that again on next day delivery and you, know, you, you carry some spare belts, you carry a basic toolkit and you know your machine, that way you're safer on it and um, it will also create more innovation. I think Tramp is like that a bit more now. Um, you can get anything you want on their sites. Um, like also, you know, Street Wing with Luke, like you can buy whatever parts you want. Um, and staying true to that DIY culture, I think, is really key. I was going to ask you about Obviously, that too, there's always you've, people um, that can't do that. No, and I think uh, you're, you're going to Tramper, I think, next week, you were saying as well, and go and check out what they're doing and uh, have a ride of some of their boards. Are you keen on seeing their DIY? Are you keen on trying any of their boards spe uh, specifically? Yeah, me and Luke from Street Wing are going to go up together. Um, we'll make some videos. Um, yeah, I'm interested. I guess I'm like one of the few riders that likes to ride without bindings in competitions. I like just a flat deck, um, mainly because I can jump off and I can do dancing tricks and I find it safer. Um, but yeah, I'm really interested to see how the trampers ride. You know, give them a, a real good session and um, you see if, you know, yeah, totally, got dude. Like when I was there. And... <laughs> Sorry, we keep talking over each other because of the delay. Um, but when I was there, like I, I'd never opened a board. I'd never built a board. Uh, I'd never ridden anything with bindings on it. Uh, it was a, it was an eye-opening experience, and like you were saying before, you like you really need to know your machine. You need to know that if you're out in the bush, um, that yeah, you do have a spare belt. You've got the kit that you need. You've got the tools, so that you know. And these things happen yeah. all the time. It happens on motorbikes. It happens on anything really. That you you just got to be prepared. Uh, and the other thing too yeah. is a first aid kit. Just have one of those handy. I've had so many times where I've had to borrow it off one of the other guys that's actually been more prepared than me. 
and bandages, yeah. um, band-aids, all kinds of stuff. Um, super important. Yeah, I mean, I have a, I, I have a Red Cross first aid certificate. It's like practical first aid. I know how to do like CPR and put people in recovery position and things like that. And that's key. I've used that so many times. Uh, maybe three or four times in skateboarding situations. And um, only last week, you know, I ride an electric bike to get around because uh, I find electric skateboard a bit dangerous in London to commute with. And um, the guy just came, just hit like a sudden right turn and I went straight into him 25 miles an hour and we went into a tree and took out this small tree. And um, I was there on the ground, tangled in my bike, you know, Jeez, what's happened now? Like, it's just, it's just crap. Um, I was completely fine, thankfully. All the skateboarding, like I somehow I can think in some bullet time and put my limbs in the right position. I wrapped my torso around the tree and got away with it. But the guy hit his head. Uh, he wasn't wearing a helmet, so uh, I gave him first aid and uh, waited for the ambulance to come and put him in there. It didn't hit it too bad, but um, he was in shock and he was about to pass out. And he, he, you know, you've got to raise his legs, uh, keep him calm. You know, there's key things you've got to do. Um, and I think that's a really good skill on the skate ride, sure. Absolutely. There should be at least one of you on a group ride, I think, just someone that knows what to do if someone has a major accident. And they do happen. And then, mm. yeah, people just stand back mm. and not quite sure what to do. Um, it's yeah. quite scary. Yeah, if it's a back injury, you've got to know exactly what to do. So yeah, injury, what not to do too. Make sure they don't go to sleep. <laughs> what not to do, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you saw too. Here's some Australian story, uh, some Australian news. The Wiggles. You know who the Wiggles are? I've heard of the Wiggles. <laughs> <laughs> are you about to play something? Kids, right? But um, the the first Wiggles, all the older guys, I think they're in their forty or they're forty or fifty year old now. Um, they did like yeah. a, uh, you know, like a fire donation kind of night for adults only, right? So it wasn't for the kids. It was for all the adults that are growing up with the Wiggles. And um, oh, yeah. what the Yellow Wiggle, um, he finished up the Wiggles like 20 years ago because he started having heart issues and said, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. And then he got up on stage and he was like doing everything he could for this uh, donation drive. Anyway, they finished and he's walking off and he passed out. He fell over and passed out. And uh, mm. one of the nurse, there was this nurse in the crowd that knew exactly what was going on. He, he'd fallen and it, it was, you know, he was just exhausted. And she went up and performed CPR and all this kind of stuff. And apparently if she hadn't have done that, um, he would have died. So it could because he, um, he had a cardiac arrest and um, it was known in his family to have them. And if she wasn't there he there would be no more uh senior yellow wiggle wow so it's um, it's important people know what to do in certain situations you know it could even be um mm. not even skateboard related might not have fallen off because of the board or because of his skill he might have had some other issue going on you don't know yeah mm. yeah indeed and that's probably a good segue too. You and I, we we're going to talk a little bit more about the fires that have happened here in um, Melbourne, Sydney, now Kangaroo Island in South Australia. Um, one started up mm -hmm. yesterday about 35, 40 k's away from me, which is on it's an island called French Island, which is between Mornington yeah. and uh, Phillip Island. It's like an island between the islands. 
so um, mm. yeah, you've been watching from afar. What have you seen? What have you thought? Um, I guess from England, there's quite a lot of press, and it's um, it's been a conversation starter uh, to really wake people up uh, to start talking about the environment and. Yeah, it's a huge shame to lose a billion animals and all the houses and you know, 20 to 30 people dead so far. Um, but it's also something that the world needed as long as you've seen what Extinction Rebellion has been doing the last few months, trying to wake people up and the protests in London and blocking the streets. Um, and this is, you know, we're, we're watching it happen right now in Australia. We're watching it burn. and. You can't ignore that. Um, all over the world, um, yeah, people are changing policies. You know, Microsoft just um, said they're going to go carbon negative, um, and which is a great thing. So corporations are switching on. Um, I, I'm really worried that you know, what if this happens next year, and if it happens year on year, it's a real problem. And with people trying to set um, targets to be carbon zero by so 2050, 2040. I mean, it has to happen by 2030 or it has to happen in the next five years if you can do it because damage has really been done. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's relevant to electric skateboarding because it's clean transport and it's one of the ways that you can um, do your bit is, is to change the way you move. And I think every single person has to think about what they're doing in their lives and how they can sort of fit into this future and work out, you know, what your day-to-day -day carbon footprint is and you know, even switching out a drive for a ride in an electric vehicle to work is, is a huge contribution. Um, it's quite a shame to see what like, the way Australian politicians are handling this and the fact that the Adani mine is getting so much funding um, there's more deforestation happening. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it doesn't make Australia look good right now. Australia seems like a bit of a stubborn capitalist prick at the moment um, in the bigger picture. And Australia, I, I know, like having lived in Australia and lived in Melbourne and lived in really good communities, how amazing Australian people can be and how you know, how people are actually living in like really sustainable lives in Australia, living with good values. But it's just whenever you switch on the TV in Australia, then you, you get reminded of that mentality that rules the country. And it's, um, I think Australia really needs to rise up and, uh, yeah, put a stance on that because I don't think, um, Australian politicians and ways around really represents Australia. Um, totally not. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, you, ha you have a look at the, how many prime ministers we've had in the last, like, 10 years. I think it's like 10. That's because they're not lasting. It's because yeah. there's too much shake-up. And, uh, you know, you'll have a look at our current prime minister who went, to, went on holidays to Hawaii while the whole country's burning and... It's very hard, I think, as a prime minister to judge whether or not, yeah, I'll come back straight away or I'll finish my holiday. I'm not quite sure 
you know, the ins and outs of that. But it, it doesn't look good to other people, other countries hearing that that's what the prime minister's up to. And, uh, you know, that people aren't shaking his hand when he goes through and has a look at these places that have been burnt. And um, it's, mm. yeah, it's, it's not good at all. And then you have a look at how much waste um, Australia has. And, you know, we, we eat only the best here in Australia and we're not going to settle for anything else. And I think that's really scary. I think um, mm. you really got to th- say, well, you know, milk will last a couple of more days after it's expiry. There's no problem with it. So why are we getting rid of so much? Or we're not um, buying our own fruit and vegetables. They're coming from overseas. And it's, it's yeah, it's, it's really mm-hmm. off-putting. One thing that you did mention to me when we caught up like six months ago, you don't have to go into t- whatever, go into d- whatever detail you want. But when you were here, you were a part of a community that, was completely independent they didn't buy their food but they were able to eat pretty well and drink and and actually mm. be very um what's the word i'm looking at like self uh self-contained i guess like do you want to talk about that like what they do or yeah sure yeah there's a few east gators in there as well which is cool um so this was basically a community i fell into when i was uh, back in melbourne for a month um friends uh, showed me and it was uh, it's basically 30 to 40 people living in this warehouse at a time and it was a secret location in Melbourne and um, it was basically we wouldn't buy any food all the space was communal and every night uh, there was a van in the warehouse and we'd take this van out and um, go on bin diving missions and basically go to all the spots around the area and collect all the food from the back of all the businesses that thrown it out. And at first it sounds uh, a bit dirty, but you know, when they bring all this food back and we just have this, put it all out on the table and you've got incredible food, expensive food, it's all in date. And we're feeding 30 to 40 people uh, two times a day with seconds free every day um, and we all cook together and then we'd all do the washing up together and uh, we like we basically just try and create as little waste as possible even in the washing up there was you know, a system where we minimize the water usage and um, I stayed there for about two weeks and you know there's the solar powers on, on the top and um, everyone's doing yoga and, and living a healthy life. There's a little garden there, and and it just shows you that you can sort of live uh, live like that in the city. And and the amount of food that goes to waste. I think Australia is a is a, it's a big culture in waste like that. Um, it was incredible to see how we could feed so many people. It was good. And did you have to um, pay <laughs> to stay the night there or anything, or is it just you? You knew about this place you rocked up they welcomed you in and because you were kind of doing helping with the cooking the cleaning all that kind of stuff it was just like yeah you're even uh i think it paid some like 40 or 50 dollars a week a week yeah. wow like that um the sleeping arrangement was funny because you weren't allowed to be living in that area it was industrial area so uh, you'd like open a cupboard and go through the cupboard and then there'd be like 10 bunk beds or you'd, you'd open a, a wardrobe and it would be like 
Narnia, and then there's like four bedrooms. <laughs> you think how because it's a warehouse. You've got no idea how big the warehouse is because you're in it. It just opens out into all these other areas. That's amazing. So anyone came in inspected. <laughs> That's incredible. They'd have no idea. Yeah, they'd have to go through a bloody cupboard. <laughs> And are you aware if these kind of things are existing in other states or countries as well? This thing exists all over the world. I think uh, I was in uh, I was in Hackney in East London last night, and I was at a similar place. Uh, it's legal, but um, it was very similar. That it's sort of like a warehouse space, which is a very large room, and then you just build sort of you know, different rooms within that and you create this kind of like twentieth, twenty first century amazing sort of share house situation where there's just like huge dining tables, you know, people are living together in big groups. Even um I've got a friend who lives out in uh Walthamstow and um it's in a retirement home and there's forty or fifty people living in this retirement home. Everyone's in their like twenties and thirties, all these Extinction Rebellion crew. And um, they've got a big communal room, which is like the traditional retirement home communal room with the big armchairs, but everyone's playing Xbox in there instead. And um, <laughs> it's great. It's, what a cool life. ways to live. You know, that are, yeah, I mean, I, you know, from what I understand too, a lot of um, you know the Asian communities and stuff, their grandparents, parents, kids all live together in the one place. It seems like it's something that you're experiencing there whereas a lot of um the western world you've it's all very you know uh it's your, just your parents and yourself and that's it and then you grow up and you get your own house and then you've got your own bills and you've got your own responsibilities and it just seems a little bit wasteful you know yeah. you look at what you're doing there and they're like even uh, a lot of the offices these days are becoming quite communal one that i'm in there's 250 people in it over three levels there's about 50 different businesses in there but it's only three kitchens. Mm. There's three dishwashers. Everybody puts it in, cleans. Um, we've got solar panels yeah. on the roof, and I think we're 100% renewable energy. Um, that came through on emails about three three months ago or so. So I think there's this drive, this mm. need, but it's it's like I think someone commented as well. It's extremely expensive at the moment to try and be carbon zero, to try and you know. Uh, get your jars at home and fill it up with cereal versus buying brands. And I've seen stores around Melbourne now where they've just got massive drums of different types of food and you just open the nozzle, out it comes, fill up your jars, take it home. So there's no packaging, there's no branding, there's no garbage. It's it's just what you need. And it seems like that's, that's the way it should go. Um, have you done anything like that at your place? Or you, it's not that extreme yet? Uh, where I'm living now in terms yeah. of recycling. In terms of recycling. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you buy just from, you know, your normal grocery or are you trying to use big glass jars to be, you know, so you don't use packaging all the time? You just get the food that you need? Yeah. Um, I don't use plastic bags anymore. Like, I... Like as of 2020, never going to use a plastic bag again. I'll never accept one. If I've got one, I'll utilize it because it's useful um, and already own it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like if I have a water bottle now, that water bottle might last me a month because I see that as a not like a just a bottle of water, but that's a vessel that's very useful. It doesn't need to be thrown away because you just continue to use it. Um, 
I use my electric bike and I've got my pannier bags on the side and I always carry a bag. Um, so I never need a bag when I'm out. And if I do shopping or anything like that, I just um, fill up my bike and then take that and fill up the fridge straight from that. So it avoids the need of a, a vehicle to transport those things or the need for plastic. Um, yeah, I'm being a lot more careful with my recycling now. So I rinse out all the things and you know, make sure I know exactly what can and can't be recycled. Um, I'm just sort of quietly trying to do all the little things I can without making too much of a fuss about it, going like, oh, I'm doing this and I'm doing making all these changes. It's like, actually, we should all be doing that without making a fuss because that's expected of you uh, today. Yeah. And I think uh, if we're all doing little things, it means big things as well. Uh, and the more people get used yeah. to those kind of things, it's going to add up over time. Uh, like, for instance, here yeah. in Australia, you can't actually, like, if you go to the supermarket or a shopping center, they won't give you a plastic bag to put your groceries in. You have to either pay for it, which I think is about 15 cents, or you bring your own. Yeah. Uh, is that the same over in uh, the UK now? It, it's the same over here, although it's... Um, the problem with that is that all the food you buy is wrapped in plastic anyway. Um, so you've got to change the food you buy and move away from things that are wrapped in plastic to just buying fruit and veg and basic things that you just buy them as they are, throw them in the bloody basket without a bag and wash them when you get home. You've got to wash them anyway because they're covered in pesticides. So, um, yeah. I was pretty shocked too. about two years ago in our major supermarkets. They've now started wrapping bananas. Um, you've got salad mixes now. Uh, you've got even things yeah. like corn, like it's all wrapped in plastic, everything. Yeah, that that's all wrong. Like the idea that you are a part of the new sustainable generation by buying a coconut that's wrapped in plastic that has a straw in it, that has some kind of like can open system. You look at that and you're like, the coconut was designed pretty well. Like you don't need to, like the banana's designed pretty well, right? You don't need to be going and modifying that. No. <laughs> Exactly. But I think uh, it's important to like, it's important to also acknowledge that when people, when you mention climate change, people say, well, what do you do with your plastic bags? What do you do with your stuff? It's also a distraction tactic. To, so if, if, if you're trying to go for oil companies and giants that create enormous amounts of pollution and do a lot of the damage, one of their tactics is to go back to you, well, do you have a TV? Do you have a car? And that distracts us from the real problem and makes us look back on ourselves and look to each other and go, oh, blah, blah, and we have a quabble about plastic bags, mm. which um, in the bigger picture, you know, there's a lot, like, our time can be spent more efficiently, um, you know, attacking you know, bigger things. Um, yeah. Australian politicians, you know, <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, Stopping I, I a dining trains. <laughs> yeah, mate. <laughs> no, that's good. I'm just having a look at the questions and everything in here too. We've got um, a whole bunch of people going off to bed here in Australia. Uh, clean transport also, also all made in China, which factories have big got big pollution. It's not an easy topic. I mean, yeah, like you said before, I think those that are in countries like yours and mine, you can do your own little things to help uh, and it feels good mm. uh, i think with all the i guess brainwashing as well on on the media about what you should be doing like we've got now at home and at my work solar panels 
Uh, we've reduced our energy bill by half by just making minor changes to how we do things at home too. Consciously, we've done mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, you, and like you can see those apps, obviously. So it's not printed out pieces of paper or whatever, but you can also see how many carbon emissions you've saved, how many trees effectively you've planted as well. Um, so mm-hmm. I guess they need to drill the the benefit into people by explaining how what you've done has benefited the you know benefited what the world we live in too yeah that's one of the best things you can do is change your energy provider to a sustainable energy provider because that creates a demand for sustainable energy and in the bigger picture of energy energy network they say oh more people want that that's a product we should offer um, and that will get better. And it also shows that you're making a change. And it's, it's, it's a huge difference to that. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I'll never forget coming. Yeah, man. I mean, I remember coming from uh, the UK to France on the over the channel. And as soon as we got yeah. over the channel and through, and we're coming through to the um, World Cup, there were so many of those yeah. massive blades everywhere, all the renewable stuff. I was like hundreds of them. Mm. And I don't know how mm. well they produce power. They, I think they do very well. Um, but how much of an impact right, that yeah. is visually for me was was huge. Like this this country is spending a hell of a lot yeah. of money on renewable energy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Australia should be really doing the same. Um, you know, we can't really get a lot of solar power here in the winter. Um, Australia has just got, it's, it's the best place for solar. You've got so much land. Um, you know, it's very quickly becoming more profitable to invest in renewables and solar, and that's really going to change the world because, like, at the moment we're fighting over oil in the Middle East, and when we're fighting over the sun, you've just got to wait for it to rise. We <laughs> no more that business. <laughs> much nicer place if the world exists then so we have to do everything we can uh, in the next 10 years or so so that we can live in a world like that otherwise it will just be a burning heap and we'll be burning more fuel to fix the problem like in in dubai you know they live in air conditioning but the amount of fossil fuels they burn to live in air conditioned environments um creates such a damage the environment that you end up in a cycle where the, it just gets hotter because of the environmental change, you know, because it's heating yeah. up and then you're going to have to turn the air conditioning up. And then the more fires there are in Australia, the more resources you're going to need to, to fight it, getting helicopters up in there, moving people around the country. Um, millions and millions is lost in, in so many ways and energy has been spent. So. If we get much deeper into this, then we're going to find it much harder to get out and might not be able to get out of it. Very key to do something that's why it's taking it Yeah, totally. I mean, I remember my experience back in Dubai. I was there last year and it was like a 45 degree day and you walk in and it's freezing in all the... Mate- like these shopping mm-hmm. centers are massive and they've got all these fish that shouldn't belong in Dubai and they've got... Um, crazy amusement parks and mm-hmm. it's all out like most of it's outdoor but they've got these air conditioners pumping to keep people happy and it's mm-hmm. you know if you're going to live in a place like but you're not life, supposed you're to live there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you shouldn't, shouldn't live is. in Dubai sorry 
Sorry, I took two of you. Uh, yeah, it's it's not a place that humans should live. No. I mean, it's meant to be desert. It's just sand. And, like, I, I went out 45, only about 45 minutes drive outside of Dubai, and there's nothing out there. It's just sand. Mm. And it's so weird because it's all meant to be sand. And someone had the bright idea because all the uh, oil's underneath there that we're going to build a city. Once the oil dries up, we'll have a tourist attraction city in there. Uh, and it is getting a lot of people going, but the amount of, like you said, fossil fuels and energy that I think it takes just to have someone there is insane. It's ridiculous. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's mm. the wrong mentality. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, you're off to oh, finish up soon. I'll just check if there's our energy supplies are all coal-powered. There's no option in main cities. That's I think James Taylor lives here in Australia. Uh, where you can't use solar, then you can alternate to wind turbines. Yeah, I don't know what people are talking about. Mm -hmm. Some of the other stuff in there. Um, but yeah, so what's your plans for twenty twenty? Twenty twenty. Hopefully, moving into a new house on the east side of London, um, doing some more film work. Yeah, going to move into a house with a few friends. Um, working on my van for the summer check that out for some good skate trips i'm thinking of doing the same some van that you had here here in australia no you got no rid of it. yeah yeah nissan El grand nice oh yeah i've been in that petrol <laughs> not great for the environment but i don't drive it very often yeah no you just uh yeah, do you remember how we Sunday stayed at the, the uh, paris cup is that the same van that you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be bringing that out to some of the races. Um, yeah, I'm thinking of doing some um, some lessons, like running some e-skate lessons. And, cool. Because um, I teach snowboarding, so transferring some of that over. Um, one of the videos I did a couple of years ago is quite well received on YouTube, and I'm just talking about different tips um, about riding style and getting into the details so i'm thinking of doing a bit more of that in the uk this year um doing some day trips as well um bringing you know floodlights sound system charging facilities go out in the van and um yeah do some longer trips and from bath to bristol a 20 mile ride so I might do that one but yeah try and also just try and um work on like making group rides really fun, um, bringing new elements to them. Things like laser tag, things like Olympic games, <laughs> um, anything that can switch it up and make it interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because yeah, sometimes... Have you, still got that, have you still got that aim to um, get a board and a, like a card at the back of it and do a huge commute um, I can't remember what you're saying. I think you wanted to do like up the east of Australia or something, but yeah, I'm trying to remember what you said. I think, yeah, you wanted to do something pretty crazy on a skateboard. Yeah, some, some long distance e-skating. So yeah, I mean, I've, I've been building some big battery packs and um, yeah, that was in the plan a while ago. And uh, I guess trying to build the right board for that. Um, that's going to be done soon. I'm going to put a trailer on it and a single wheel bike trailer and then have an axis on it so that um, the trailer sort of turns with you. Um, I think it wouldn't be too hard to find some volunteers. 
Um, dude, I would be one, mate. <laughs> Maybe go to Holland from London. Yeah, that sounds good. I should be in Germany in August too for the Evolve World Cup. There's a little bit more detail detail coming out about that. Um, yeah, great. One of the guys in the chat just wanted to know if you have a YouTube channel. He does. Um, is it just looking up Moja <laughs> Film or is it your name for YouTube channel? Yeah. Uh, Moja Film on YouTube. Yeah. Someone mentioned there, batteries are bad for the environment. I think uh, it's a good, it's good, well, I'm here to emphasize the importance of properly recycling your batteries and all the components on your electric skateboard. Um, I've gone through a lot of batteries in the last eight years, um, and that has a lot of waste. So potentially creating a lot of waste as e-skaters if you don't properly recycle your batteries and also try and ride your batteries until they're really dead you know until don't just swap them out as soon as they're losing a little bit of performance just try and get as much life out of them as you can and, if and what's the proper way to you can give them a uh, second life what's the best way to actually uh you know dispose of your batteries properly uh, find a local recycling center that will manage them um, and you can take them there and you can probably pick from a few different recycling centers depending on what they do with them. Um, obviously you try and reuse before you recycle so batteries have their first life in a performance product which is normally a mobile product like a skateboard or a car or a phone or something like that but batteries can also have their second life in a uh, power wall or a static so if you have uses that you need batteries to store power, say in a camper van or in your house, um, you can use your Eastgate batteries to build a power wall for your house down the line. So um, if you can try and give them their second life before they get recycled, that's even better. But if you can give them to someone who will recycle them and give them a second life before they go to landfill, that's a good thing to do. But try and avoid them just going straight into landfill when they're still got a bit of health and can be used. And you'll, you'll probably find too that most of the uh, waste transfer stations or whatever in Australia and recycling places will happily get those batteries for nothing because um, they want you to recycle them and not have to pay for it as well. Um, so this is Moja's Instagram yeah. account. He's got some decent following there, 1,100 people. Um, yeah, you do some pretty cool stuff and you like your raves and all that too. Um, so go and check out Moja film. Yeah. yeah, man. And some festival uh, videos, some um, music videos, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, you do a lot of editing. Oh, look at that. What's going on there? Oh, I'm going to fix that. Yeah, YouTube link doesn't work. It's a, it's but, um, a YouTube video. Yeah, maybe it's no longer there or something. Mm. There you go. Well, thanks very much, mate. Really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, because chat. Yeah, man, and, and uh, we'll probably see you over at the um, Eastgate Cup. Yeah. And yeah. Um, we'll see you come across to Germany as well the month afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Now no, that Matty's really been commenting in uh, the feed here, I want to see if you can uh, put your money where your mouth is with the Evolve boys and your street wing setup or your, your inertia setup. I think that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. That's the yeah, it's like a street wing, inertion, moja, hybrid, whatever it takes to be everyone. It's going to happen. <laughs> I'm scared. 
Good. All right, buddy. Well, thanks for chatting. And um, yeah, well, this will be back to the normal time next week. And uh, yeah, catch Mojo out on one of the rides. And uh, I think that's it. Oh, yeah. Matty, uh, he just said goodnight too. To you as well, mate. So he's been watching and listening. <laughs> Night, mate. All right. Thanks, everyone, for watching. We'll see you on the next one. See you, Mojo. Take care. See ya. Catch. Bye.